All right, uh, here we go. Welcome to this installment of Brews Interviews. I'm Leonard, and I'm here with James uh, Dugan or Duggan? It's Dugan. Yeah, you yeah. got it. Yeah, Dugan. I, I was using my education background to break up the syllables to see if I needed a long U in there or not. So James Dugan, you are the co-founder of Great Notion Brewing. Uh, thank you so much for taking some time out to uh, to talk to me. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, Leonard. Thanks. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been big fans of you guys. I, I was I went back to my Untapped uh, to see what was the earliest we had Untapped one of your beers, and uh, and I remember I was talking to my brother about. It. I remember the exact beer we had and where it was at. So it had that much of an impact on us that we still remember when we first popped it, and it was of course a blueberry muffin. It was 2016. It was September 4th in 2016. Um, we had somehow, I don't even remember, honestly, we somehow got a crawler of it and we're at a bottle share. And uh, when we popped it, it basically it, it was like a Pavlov effect of everybody around us. Once they got the whiff of that, everyone was hovering around us uh, asking for a pour of that. Um, what, what, that was a year one beer for you guys? It was, yeah. Yeah, that was... Blueberry muffin was um, first first made in um, sometime yeah sometime in, in uh, 2016. That that was a beer that was um, went through a phase of developing beers like in a in a keg like in a yeast brink. Well, not not really a brink. What I would do was go from um, a corny keg into a half barrel keg, and blueberry muffin was one of those beers and. Um, so at the time we had a Berliner Weiss called Zest that um, my other partner Andy was into making some tr nice traditional style Berliners and uh, yeah so with that was on tap and um, yeah I would pull pull some Berliner base out and um, put some adjuncts into a keg mix it see how it's tasting eventually once it was right then get it back into the half barrel keg and put it on tap and see what people thought. And, um, yeah, so like quite a few beers were, were born that way through really, really small batch experimentation in a commercial brewery. So that, that kind of goes to the, the first question. So tell, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, and how great notion came to be back in the day. Sure. Um, yeah, so as you said, I'm a co-founder of, of Great Notion and an R&D brewer and the creative director. And my focus is on developing new beers. Um, and part of, part of that is like, you know, sourcing unique ingredients, um, but also like coming up with, with beer names and the artwork for, for our labels. Um, but yeah, basically everything, everything creative is, is kind of my, my focus. And it's a big, it's a big focus. I mean, the, the, um, three foundations of, of our company are, uh, quality, creativity, and family. So pretty much all decisions, uh, you know, if we're ever like, should we do this? You know, if we're not usually in agreement or whatever, we'll we'll come back to to these foundational principles that we built the company on, um, and they always kind of resolve themselves if, if if you you know if your intention is 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 focused on what your initial goals were when you set out. 
Um, but yeah, so um, at the time that we started Great Notion, I lived on the same street with our my other two co-founders, Andy Miller and Paul Ryder. And um, Andy and I were both homebrewing, and Paul had a had a business has a business degree and um, a lot of experience in. Uh, I mean, you know, just a whole side of understanding of a business that you know Andy and I did not have. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's really important when you're when you're trying to open a brewery. And really, I think what we did was just combine our our three strengths, our individual strengths. And um, we started looking, started planning, um, and we started looking for a space, which took about a year. And uh, we eventually settled into a sweet little seven barrel brew pub that was going out of business in uh, Northeast Portland. Okay, and so how long were you home brewing before you started doing commercial brewing? Probably 50, yeah, fifteen years. Oh wow! So you yeah. you were you at that point you had brewed hundreds of batches of beer. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of went in and went in and out of it. Um, I'd say the last five years before we opened, I was pretty pretty committed to brewing. Um, I'd say probably like at least 10, 10 times a year. Wow. And, uh, and so what type of different equipment were you using when you started home brewing? Were you doing, you know, uh, extract, all grain, brew in a bag, all, all of the above? <clears throat> um, my first batch was, was an all grain okay. uh, attempt to brew a clone of Pliny the Elder. <laughs> so I jumped right in with a double. Um, but yeah, I was using um, a three a three vessel system. Um, they were uh, stainless steel like um, tanks that were fifteen gallons. They weren't they weren't kegs, but um, yeah, it was a three vessel, fifteen gallon tank. Um, kind of, you know, they're all lined up in a row, right? And then yeah, you got yeah. the pump underneath, and and then um, I would brew two beers at the same time. Um, so on top of those tanks were the, were two mash tuns and then, um, which were coolers, um, igloo coolers with false bottoms. So it mm -hmm. mash and then run off into the kettle below. And then the third, um, 15 gallon tank was just a hot, hot liquor tank. So. And so, so that, I mean, that seemed like quite, I, mean, I, I just started home brewing, uh, last year. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so that sounds like a, quite a bit of a, an investment up front though, right? Um, well, that wasn't my first like setup. That was kind of what I settled into um, over time. But uh, I did brew in a bag for a while. Um, you know, there's I never did the extract um, brewing, but there's um, other than making starter for for yeast. But, um, what were you brewing? What were your first beers that you were brewing? Were they were they were were they IPAs mainly? I was brewing mostly IPAs. Yeah, um, my brother lives in in Boston, and him and I would always trade beer, and I would trade beer on Beer Advocate, and but he would send me stuff um, early on from um, like Trillium and Treehouse. Oh yeah. And, um, 
and the um, you know some heady topper occasionally and the, those beers were intriguing to me. Uh, there wasn't really anything out here on the west coast that was that was hazy and um, that became like my main focus is trying to figure out how to do haze and you know what it, what the yeast was and what the hopping was like and um, and um, were you yeah, so to, even were, like were you... growing up yeast, yeast from cans, you know, making starters and stuff. So um, eventually around, I think like 2017, after we had been open for a year, brewers really started becoming more open about how these are done. But before we opened, it was very secretive. It was a very weird time. Um, no one was really talking about yeast and protein. And, and um, so... It was really cool to open up Great Notion. Uh, we poured our first beer in January of 16. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we had we had a Ripe IPA and Juice Junior. Um, and those those both won like two best. Oh, nice. <laughs> right there. Um, in the top five uh, IPAs in the city of Portland in um, Willamette Week of um, event that's connected to the Oregon um, beer awards. And that was pretty, pretty huge for us. There's a lot of talented breweries, brewers in the city of Portland, but, um, we were definitely not embraced wholeheartedly from the start with, with the haze, um, brewers felt like there was not all, not all brewers, but some, some, we got some shit for, for the appearance. And, um, it was kind of looked down upon as like a, a flaw. Yeah. Oh yeah. In the year. Yeah, I was talking to you. There, there's an interview that I haven't uh, I haven't put out yet, but it was uh, the gentleman was talking about how if you were entering a contest, uh, a beer competition back in the day, there wasn't a hazy IPA competition. So yeah, he was right. as a as a judge, he was talking about how it's kind of like uh, like AKC with dog breeds. You have a dog breed, and if it doesn't have those classic characteristics, you can't even enter a beer into that category. So early on with the hazy IPAs, there really there was like an other category that you could submit in, but you couldn't submit it in in any of these other traditional categories. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, you know, and how like strange it is that you know we in our city we have Widmer and Widmer Hefeweizen, you know, um, it's a notoriously hazy style and 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 beer in general, right? But like, yeah, uh, it just seems so strange that like there's a level of acceptance in one, one style of beer, but not, not in, in, in that it couldn't cross over into IPAs. So um, we really did get started at, at the right time. I mean, the industry, at least in, in the Pacific Northwest, um, in Portland, Oregon specifically, was, I feel like a little stagnant. You know, there wasn't a lot of innovation happening. There wasn't a lot of, um, I mean, we were coming out of like the IBU, IBU wars. Yeah, yeah. Um, so our timing was just great in that way because the the beers that I wanted to make were culinary inspired. You know. Yeah, um, that, fra- that phrase. Yeah, that dessert. phrase. Uh, I've I've read a few of the interviews you done previously, and that culinary uh, inspired is a phrase that I read uh, frequently in uh, previous interviews. Do you guys have any any culinary experience or any background in uh, culinary arts? 
Um, other than baking blueberry muffins, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's all. That's all you needed for uh, for inspiration for a beer, though. And I think exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, but like double stack was a very early beer, and that's just inspired wow. by breakfast, you know, pancakes yeah. and coffee. Yeah, and um, you know, there's so many interesting flavors of ice cream, right? Like Baskin Robbins, like, or says they have however many flavors, you know, but you'd go into a tap room and you'd see like five and none of them had any like, they were classic styles, you know? So, um, and classic styles have made an incredible return and they they always, they really never went anywhere, but they, I think everything goes in waves and cycles as far as palettes, palettes in the industry. And, and you can only like uh, flavor something so much before you want something neutral, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm, I, and I, it's kind of weird cause I was able to go to my local shop and pick up a number of great notion beers to, you know, to figure out what I was going to have for the show. Um, but you do have a quieter variety. You have the ledge beer, which is a Pilsner. I'm showing you the label like you've never seen it before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, like you, like you know, you don't know what this is. Uh, I also picked up a double blueberry marshmallow shake. Um, yeah. I have a double stack in the fridge, um, which means uh, I need to have a beer with uh, with uh, you for this interview. I know you okay. have something over there. Um, I'm gonna pop yeah. this ripe. Okay. Uh, Ripe is a, a hazy IPA, seven percent alcohol by volume. Um, I lost my train of thought for a second. I was going to ask you. So, what, 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 what adjuncts have you tried in the past that didn't work? I know that was a question I wanted to ask you. Is there something? There, there's, did you put an adjunct in there and you thought it was going to be good and you're like, oh yeah, this no way, this is there's no way this works. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, I think the we did a beer with biscuits. Um, it was a collab with our neighbor who um, were right next to a biscuit place. And um, you know, their place is called Pine State Biscuits. And um, so we did like a a dessert biscuit kind of thing. And you know, they brought over trays and trays of biscuits and we threw some in the mash and threw some in the boil. And, um, it was just like a little weird. (laughs) I thought it could have like this bready kind of, you know, like Vienna or victory malt kind of vibe, but I think I, it probably, they probably had too much butter in the, in the, in the biscuits. So I think I was picking up on some, uh, diacetyl instead. All right, so I have this port here. I mean, the smell and then, of course, I got my officially licensed uh, Great Notion glass here. Yeah, I yeah, want to yeah. thank you for joining me. Cheers, my friend. Yes, cheers. Yeah, that's right. That's 100% citra hops. Um, wow. Just um, very, very simple beer. You know, it's, um, yeah, I just beered a citra, all citra beer. It didn't taste anything, <laughs> it didn't taste anything <laughs> like this. <laughs> I, got some, I got some room for improvement. <laughs> Yeah, that's um, the base is Pilsner malt. Okay. Uh, and and yeah, hundred percent citra and pills, and um, there's no crystal malt in it, uh, but there is some uh, um, 
there's quite a bit of oats in yeah. ripe. Yeah. So it's um, probably about 15% oats. So you, so here's a question. I guess this is a question I'm going to ask as a, as the home, as a, a nov, very novice home brewer. I probably, uh, I started last year. Uh, I probably have maybe seven batches under my belt right now. Um, I'm trying to figure out when you, you're, when you're using adjuncts, when do you add the adjuncts to get the optimal flavor that you want? I've tried doing it in the boil. I've tried doing it in the secondary fermenter. And then this last time I just said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do it in the, I'm going to add adjuncts to the bottling bucket and see what happens and straight into the bottle. So do you find that you have to play around with different phases when you're adding adjuncts or, or you kind of have that narrowed down to what you want? Well, it depends on the style. If, if you're brewing um, like an adjuncted IPA with um, say pineapple, you know, you'd, you'd want to ferment your pineapple because um, otherwise it, the finished IPA would be too sweet if you added it in secondary. Um, but if you're doing um, a tart, a tart beer um, or any kind of sour, um, not not a barrel aged sour, but like a like a fruited sour, um, we generally add our fruit post fermentation so that we are essentially you know, we have a, a sour base and then we're kind of balancing out that sourness with sweetness from the fruit, which does not ferment. And so that's prior to, to canning or bottling? Yeah. Or canning? Yeah. Yeah. It would, it would go into a bright tank or like a blending tank tank, and then it gets carbonated and packaged from there. We also, we do have a, a pasteurizer. So we're able to pasteurize our, um, fruited sours before we put them into cans just in case there's any living yeast in there. We don't get any um, residual fermentation or exploding cans. Yeah. I know that was a big thing or I guess it is still a big thing where cans are, are popping on, on some of the beers that are out there from, uh, from some of the breweries. Uh, how, How does, how does adding fruit, um, prior to canning impact the ABV? You, you are you taking a like a another uh, gravity measure to to figure out what that final ABV is going to be? How does that work? Yeah, it definitely it definitely dilutes the the ABV. Um, you know, we'll send everything to get tested before um, before packaging um, or before having labels printed um, to make sure that you know our um, ABV is correct because. The TTB, you know, you can't mess with the government. They they, they want to know that you're saying what's true is true, and there's a very small window of ABV that you can be off, you know, that, that, that um, which is I think like 0. 0.5 or something like that. And I think some but, some uh, states some states don't have to put ABV on their on their labels. I think right. I think I've seen some cans when I've gone to other states where where I don't think the ABV is on on. The, unless it's going out for distro out, out of state. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We have to do that in Oregon. So I'm, I'm not sure, um, you know, what each state law is, but um, yeah, we put ABV on and, uh, but so yeah, all you have to do is basically um, kind of do some, do some math to figure out what your dilution is with, with fruit. And sometimes you're using um, fruit puree. Sometimes you're using fruit concentrate. 
And, um, you know, it depends on the effect that you're looking for, you know, whether, which one you're going to use, um, if, you know, or if you're using um, something that you need that could infect the beer. Um, let's say you want to put like brownie batter into a stout, you know, you'd want to put that in right at the end of the boil so that it, um, you know, kills off any, you know, any um, potential infection in your finished beer. What are some of the uh, otter um, adjuncts you've tried to use in beers or you've successfully used in beers, would you say? Um, pandan. I don't know if you've ever had pandan. What is pandan? A, <laughs> you have to give it like a, a, a um, dictionary definition. It's a, um, it's a big leafy um, Southeast, Southeast Asian um, edible plant. And what are, um, what are the, what are the, uh, what's the, what are the flavors that the similar flavors that it gives off? Like vanilla custard type okay. of bud. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's used occasionally, you know, I'll see it in ice cream. Um, it works really well in ice cream. And um, yeah, so yeah, we, I, I bought, I think about 10 pounds of this big leaf um, from a grocery store and um, brought it back and put it into a huge um, 15 gallon stock pot with some um, with some water and used an immersion blender and made a made a puree out of it and then heated it up to about 180 and then dumped the whole puree into the into the serving tank and it was a pretty impactful ingredient I, I liked it a lot it it's awesome on a small batch of um, beer but with with great notion we have the the seven barrel brew house um but then we have a, a 30 barrel brew house uh, across the river where that's our production facility with you know we're we can't really do stuff like that um at that level you know that's 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 like a small r d type of thing that we do over at our other facility which is a lot of fun, you know. It's kind of that's where it will always be at for me, like the experimentation. I'm looking at uh durian. Are you familiar with the durian fruit? I am, yeah. I've never used durian because it's so off-putting to some people. Uh, I wanted I wanted to, I was gonna try to play with it this uh for Halloween and do like a, a durian adjuncted beer. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure if the smell would stay with the beer because it's the, the you know the durian fruit is known for its its smell. The, mm -hmm. the taste, it's supposed to be a sweet tasting fruit, but the smell is so off-putting, people liken mm -hmm. it to like rotting flesh. So mm -hmm. I, I was going to do like a Halloween themed beer, um, but I don't know, I don't know if that smell would carry over to the, the finished product, which I, which I would want it to, but I'm not sure if it would, uh, unless I did something toward the very end, I think. Are you going to call it necrosis? <laughs> no, you know what I was going to call it? I was going to call it, uh, gosh, I had a name. So I do homebrew and, and I have a daughter that's in art school. So I have her do the artwork for the uh, for the labels. So unfortunately, mm -hmm. I have like an in-house uh, artist. Um, I think he was going to call it the Hopping Dead, if I'm not. I, I oh, think yeah. it's probably. And it's supposed mm -hmm. to be like a zombie type uh, Walking Dead theme. But uh, the Hopping Dead was was it was going to be maybe for this coming uh, Halloween or maybe even for like April Fools might be funny to try. Yeah. yeah, sometimes just like on a commercial level, sourcing 
ingredients can be one of the most difficult difficult parts of uh, you know brewing you know 30 or 60 or 90 or 120 barrels of beer um you know we, like um we have an ipa called overripe that that has a uh, mangosteen in it and, oh yeah um, you know that's it can be challenging with um to source enough ingredients uh depending so you know that's why you kind of have seasonal rotations with your with your lineup um but yeah i mean that's kind of you want to have the ingredients because you want to have consistency and you know that's why we contract our hops so that we you know we know you know we're able to go out to the farm and rub them and and choose which um whether it's mosaic or galaxy citra um that we that's you know that that's our that's our lot for the year you know so we are able to deliver a consistent um you know ripe will taste the same pretty much every batch um our galaxy beer juice invader is going to be consistent throughout the year so um yeah bring you know sometimes with uh fruited stuff you know maybe you can't get raspberry or or you know marion berries or you know, at certain times of year. So, you know, with, with fruit, you kind of take it, you get it uh, when it's available and you, you kind of brew more seasonally. Um, but yeah, we don't, uh, we don't select fruit or anything, but we, uh, we do for our hops because we, we certainly um, need to have JB and ripe and, um, you know, some of our flagship IPAs, so they, they, we need to have them year round. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, hop contracts are, are a pretty important part of, um, and, and also not just contracts, but be being branching out, right. Like, um, exploring new varieties from, yeah. you know, whether it's a domestic variety or, um, uh, we, we also contract, um, Nelson Salvin and, um, Nectaron. Nectaron's a really cool hop. So are you, with the technology evolving the way it is, are you guys experimenting with like cryo hops and, uh, and incognito? Yes. Yeah. We, we use, we use cryo in, in the dry hop, um, in ripe actually there's, it's not a hundred percent cryo. I think it's about, um, 10 or 15% of the total dry hop. Um, and it's just for complexity, you know, dry hop complexity. Um, yeah, and incognito is a, a really cool, um, like liquid type of hop that's uh, mostly for bittering, um, can replace, um, pellets, which can be really great to not have a lot of sediment in your kettle at the end of the boil. But, um, spectrum is a, a product that is a liquid type of dry hop, which is cool as well. Um, let's see, I had a question and just lost it um let me see what do you have uh in your fridge right now beer beer wise um one is a dry hop pilsner called hedge beer um which is a play on ledge beer which is our non-dry hopped one and love and ritual love and ritual is a one of my favorite ipas that we're we're making right now and 
orange creamsicle. Got some orange creamsicle in the fridge. Any any non Great Notion beers? <laughs> yeah, I, I usually have some. I mean, I I I do appreciate cheap lagers, um, like um, you know PBR, Rainier. You know, um, those are just to take a break from uh, flavor. You know, but still have a beer. <laughs> Take is, a break uh, from flavor. <laughs> so you do you have PBR in your fridge right now? No, you don't. I don't believe that. I might. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I need proof. I need proof of. Uh, I need proof of that. Uh, uh, no, I so, totally do. I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I yes, yeah, so I was looking at some of the other interviews you guys have done. Uh, so one of our favorite beers that we've had, and we we, we pop it probably uh, every couple of months, is the Paisley Cave Complex. How did that collaboration come to to be with the Bottle Logic? Uh, that one came up when I think it was probably like 2018. We did a collab on our small brew house. And before we had opened our production facility and um, Brandon and Wes were hanging out in the brewery and they were drinking all what we had to offer. And Brandon and Wes are um, two of the Bottle Logic owners. And um, they tried Blueberry Muffin and, and Wes was just like, what the fuck, man? Like how, how, you know, right. how, and, um, and then Paisley cave came up, uh, I think probably about maybe a year later we were talking about doing, you know, cause of course bottle logic is known for their awesome big stouts, barrel aged stouts. And, um, you know, Wes brought up the experience of, of drinking blueberry muffin and you know, let's, let's, try to get some some blueberry character into this BA stout and see how it goes. So we just kind of put those two ideas together and um, yeah, and that's, it's a pretty cool beer for sure. Yeah. I would say, yeah, we're big bottle logic fans and we've been, I mean, obviously we're in LA, so it's not, not too far from us, but I would say of all the stasis projects that Paisley cave complex for me is probably the, the number one, uh, on that, uh, on that, probably, you know, foe is probably it's standalone its own category, but after foe, I think that Paisley cave complex might be the, uh, one of the best beers that they've produced, uh, and they, they bring it back annually. So I think they just yeah. had to release, uh, maybe three months ago or so. Mm-hmm. I know I still have a couple of bottles of it. Uh, but I mean, what what you guys were able to do with that with the uh with the blueberries and the marshmallows and the stuff mm-hmm. is is pretty is pretty amazing stuff it, it, it's almost like it's like it, you're but you're right it's like blueberry muffin like you you smell it and you taste it and you're like what is going on here and how are yeah. you able to recreate that in 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 a beverage and then you do the yeah. cave complex and you look at it and it's like yeah it's dark it's it's viscous and then you start to smell it and then you taste it. You're like, how is this even possible that you can put all of these flavors together in, in a beer and it's, and it's a beer on top of that. And it's, and it's a 14% uh, ABV beer on top of that. Uh, pretty yeah. amazing beer. Yeah. That was really fun to have that come together so naturally. And I think it's a really excellent 
representation of our two styles of of um, the way that they brew, the way that we brew, and um, it's the beauty of the collabs. You know, you learn something every time you do one. Um, you know, we have always a bunch of collaborations going on. We do some locally um, here in Portland, and and then you know, it's always fun to travel and, and get out of town and and go visit friends. You know, we've been for, fortunate to had an opportunity to go to Japan, um, Copenhagen, you know, pretty much all over the U.S. Uh, right now we have a collab going with Horace Aged Ales. Um, we're doing Freaky Friday with Other Half right now, uh, which is they brew one of our beers and we brew one of their beers. Yeah. And um, so they're brewing, um, they're brewing Overripe and we're brewing Vapor Rings. Um, we're doing a stout with Ruse Brewing here in Portland. Uh, we have a, a cloud with Mick Minimins, who's a really cool company. Um, and they have a distillery, so they're able to do some distilling. So they're going to do a cold double IPA based on juice box or what's now known as JB. And um, they're going to distill some of it, freeze distill some of it. And uh, That'll that'll be really cool. That'll probably JB is eight percent, eight point two percent already. So it'll probably end up, you know, somewhere in the eleven to twelve percent range after freezing. So that'll be neat. Then uh, you know, Abbey Creek is a a black owned winery here in um, Oregon. So we're we're doing a sour with Gamay Noir grapes coming up with uh, Bertoni Faustin, the head winemaker and owner. And uh, yeah, it's always always a lot on the radar. Yeah, I always uh, I always applaud the uh, the beer industry and the way that it it collaborates with with one another. I mean, we we see so many different brewers do collaborations and and you know just trying to bring their with their expertise and their knowledge and share it with others. Uh, it's always it's always a a, a good spirited uh, time when when we see that two breweries working together or three breweries working together at times. Um, so tell me something about that. So one of the things that just came out um, that I wish I had stayed around in Berkeley for was the release of that blueberry pancakes. Mm -hmm. Is this the first time you've done blueberry pancakes? That was a beer that became popular just on draft. So we would have blueberry muffin on, on, on tap and double stack on tap. Um, double stack is the maple coffee imperial stout blueberry muffins, like a 6% tart blueberry beer. So it would always be fun. Customers would ask for uh, a blend, you know, and everyone yeah. had their, their favorite ratio. Yeah. And um, usually it was about 80% double stack, 20% blueberry muffin. Yeah. And uh, we just decided, you know, what the heck, let's, let's, let's put it in the cans. And um, it's got some pretty cool artwork on the can of uh two of our characters arm wrestling the blueberry muffin bear and the double stack sasquatch it's pretty rad our artist actually is down your way in in los angeles his name is chad eaton and he does all the artwork for our cans okay and then, so it's one artist doing all the artwork yeah all right pretty mm -hmm. cool uh yeah. yeah i i remember uh you know so the, the, it's been a big thing where people were comboing the blueberry muffin and the double stack 
Um, I remember I went to the monkish anniversary party maybe four or five years ago or four years ago, maybe pre-COVID. And uh, great notion, you guys were there. And I'm like, I can you guys, you know, pour me? They, would, you, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't pour, they, they wouldn't do the mix. She's, she's like, you can do two separate ones and you guys can do whatever you do. I, think she, I, don't know if she, I don't know if she wanted to keep the integrity of each beer separate, but I was like, wait a second, everybody does the, you know, the combo. And so, uh, and That's so funny. I thought, yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. And now uh, I think I was talking to Paul a few weeks ago at the, uh, at the soft opening and he's like, yeah, it's coming out and we're excited about it. Um, yeah. what, so what, what was the, the, I mean, off the top of your head, do you know what the ratio was that you guys finally decided on, on how much of double stack and how much of blueberry muffin you were going to go with? Um, I, th- I think the ratio ended up being closer to 75, 25 on, okay. on this one. Yeah. I was playing around with it in the, uh, the tap room and I was, and you, obviously you want that that touch of blueberry. You don't want, you know, I was telling uh, a buddy of mine, when you have blueberry pancakes, you know, it's the pancake first, and then you mm-hmm. have the blueberry. So the blueberry, blueberry is just you just want to uh, you want to be subtle, but you still want to be able to taste it. But it really still the main the main feature is the pancake. So the seventy five twenty five. Hopefully, I can get my hands on some cans for those uh, before they're gone. And then you also yeah, did I think a, we're gonna like just play around with it over time, and hopefully, you know, it's one of those things that like everyone. It's pretty funny because everyone has their like specific blend that they like to make. So we should really just um, release the two at the same time and you get two of each in your four pack. Yeah. Would you think of doing like another uh, pancake, like a, like a banana, like a banana pancake? I, mean, I guess now you have other op- options of, you know, what. what yeah, we, like we, a- have some, we have done some uh, banana, some banana stouts. Um, Breakfast of Leisure is, is one of them. Um, can't remember if that one had maple in it or not, but yeah, you know, it's uh, who doesn't love a good Sunday morning breakfast? No know? kidding, so, no kidding. Syrup and fruit and bananas. I know we're winding up on our time that I want to honor. Um, let's see, you guys have the Berkeley Tap Room open now. Are you guys planning anything big for uh, San Francisco Beer Week coming up in next week, next month? Um, let's see. So Andy went down to the Bay this week and he brewed a collab with Roger from faction brewing. Okay. And, uh, so that's going to be pouring around town. Um, they make awesome beer and let's see, we're going to definitely have a barrel aged stout event. Um, I'm not sure if the location has been decided on. But yeah, um, you know, just a lot of shenanigans, a lot of drinking, a lot of fun, celebrating, you know, our new spot in Berkeley awesome. uh, on 4th Street. And um, yeah, I hope anyone that's listening that can make it, please uh, stop in and check out our new tap room. Yeah, definitely. We're really I excited be, to, be, yeah. to be pouring beer in California. Yeah, I definitely will be there for uh, the beer week. Are you gonna Are you gonna travel down to uh, your old stomping grounds and and Yeah, I'll most likely beer? come down. Yeah, the beer awesome. Definitely hope to have a beer with you in person. Uh, That'd be great. And uh, I want to thank you for your time. This has been James Dugan of Great Notion uh, stopping by and talking to us for a little bit. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, I appreciate your time, Leonard. Appreciate it. Take care. Cheers. Cheers.